Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning all, and welcome back to our devotionals in Zechariah uh, for part two now as we uh, get into this book. We're going to unpack it uh, a little bit more today, get into um, some of the text. And this morning, as I said in, uh, in title, we're going to be looking at Zechariah 1, verses 2 to 4. I'm just going to read that for us, and then let's look at what it has for our lives. It says this, I, the Lord, was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, say to the people, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Don't be like your ancestors who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophets said to them, this is what the uh, Lord of heaven's army says. Turn from your evil ways and stop your evil practices. So there's a call there from Zechariah to the people to return to the Lord to not behave as their forefathers did, as their ancestors did, and hear the word of the Lord, but remain uh, unchanged. The challenge is hear it and be changed by it, return to the Lord. And as uh, Andy mentioned yesterday, and if you're part of the Vine Church, you'll know, we recently taught through Haggai, just last summer, or last um, autumn rather, and Haggai and Zechariah really are very uh, related books. They're at the same time period. They're addressing the same kind of situation. But they're two very different emphases on the same, uh, at the same period with the same issues. They, they highlight different areas. And really the opening verses of each book really show where the difference is. So the book of Haggai starts uh, with Haggai calling the people to see how comfortable they are living in their panelled houses. Everything seems to be good. Their self-interest is uh, meaning that they are rebuilding what they need. But Haggai's question is, have any of you thought about the house of the Lord? Have any of you thought about rebuilding God's house? And really from there, the book is about this call to rebuild the, the structures of worship. If you think about this, it's kind of like an objective change. We need to change something about where we live so that we can go to worship. Zechariah, on the other hand, is not opposed to Haggai. He's uh, focusing on a different um, side of the same triangle, really, which is uh, your hearts need to be changed. We need the objective change, but we also need the subjective change. We need the internal desire to want to worship God. It's no good having a rebuilt temple if you're going in merely as a ritual. There's no good as uh, no good having a rebuilt temple if your heart is still far from God. And and really, this isn't something that's um, foreign to how humans relate the rest of the time. Really, throughout history, there's other examples. I was thinking, for instance, about during the time of the Protestant Reformation. In the early Reformation, the emphasis was really on we need to reform the church to get rid of its idolatrous practices. We need to reform the kind of objective centers of worship. We need to transform the the structures that are in place. But as you move on from the Reformation in the 1500s and get towards the 1600s and even the 1700s, now you have theologians 
uh, the, the Puritans in England and and uh, and theologians in in uh, the Netherlands saying we've put a lot of focus on transforming the structures, but have we put enough focus on uh, moral reform, on inner reform, on us as Christians wanting to serve and worship God rightly, not just having the structures to worship him rightly, but the heart to worship him rightly. And particularly in the Netherlands, this launched what was called the, the Dutch Further Reformation, which had this big focus on our hearts need to be reformed for God. And some of the most fantastic theological uh, or devotional works really were, came out of that period, a, a real period of um, seeing how subjective and objective reform need to go hand in hand. If anyone was looking for a, uh, a theology that was deeply practical and deeply devotional, uh, a book that was written at this time, a Dutch theologian called William Abrakel, and he wrote a book called The Christian's Reasonable Service. And uh, it was common for Dutch families to sit down and read it together at dinner because it was just so practical, so devotional, and it came out of this heart of the Dutch further reformation. And as I say, that's really Zechariah's um, emphasis as well. It's about the transformation of the heart. Haggai's focusing on the institutions, which is good and proper, and that needs to change. It's no good saying oh, our hearts are in the right place, but we still worship wrongly. No, they need to come hand in hand. But uh, Zechariah focuses on the root of why the people went into exile and why they need to change now that they've returned to the land. It's about bringing our hearts to God in repentance. And as I say, you see that really from the opening verses. Haggai starts with this opening verse that you need to rebuild the temple. Zechariah starts with this verse, return to me and I will return to you. It's not saying build the house and I'll come and dwell in it. It's return to me in your hearts. Repent, come before me in your hearts and I will return to you. Just think about how precious that is for us, that God promises to return to those who would return to him. You know, there, there is no sense in which someone can turn to God, seek God and look for God, and yet he remains distant from them. When we turn to God, we find that he turns to us. It's always reciprocal. If you're seeking for God, you will find him. God is a gracious God. And we see in these um, verses that he is willing to bind up our self-inflicted wounds. He's willing to uh, turn his wrath from us if we turn to him. His wrath does indeed burn, but his desire is for mercy. His desire is to show us grace, grace to those who would turn to him. But obviously the, the thing is we're talking about a God who doesn't change. We're talking about the one who never changes. And so if God doesn't change, how can we talk about God returning to us? Does God go through a period where he doesn't like us and then does like us again? But that would be change in God. How can God turn from us and then turn back to us while still remaining unchanging? And the word that theologians call for the unchangeability of God tends to be immutability. God is immutable. He is unchanging. And there is a challenge really that comes with immutability because throughout the Bible, and really in our own experience, it seems like we experience change in God. You know, we talk about the same God blessing people uh, in heaven and pouring out his wrath on people in hell. Is that God in two different moods? 
There's this God that changes depending where he is. This is why it's a kind of a challenge. But I think the best way to think about it, and it's really helpful for this passage, is to think about it like the sun. When you're burnt by the sun or warmed by the sun or are simply freezing cold, it's not because of a change in the sun. It's because of a change in how you are relating to the sun. You know, warming, freezing and burning aren't because the sun withholds its heat and then gives out a huge burst of heat. It's because where you are in relation to the sun has changed that you feel a different effect of it. So if you think about it like this, if God is that is the sun, if you choose to be standing under a magnifying glass whilst looking up at the sun, you'll find your skin being burnt. If you choose to hide away in a cave from the sun, then you'll find yourself freezing cold. But if you come and present yourself uh, in the sun's warmth, you will find yourself being warmed. And so in the same sense, it's not that God changes when we, for instance, experience his wrath or when we experience his love. It's that we have changed in relation to him. We are either in his will, we're obeying his commandments, we are, our hearts are his and we are repenting, or we are uh, turning from him. We are, if you like, going inside the house. We're turning from the sun and we're in the freezing cold. Meanwhile, we're shaking our fists saying, why isn't the sun warming us in here? It's us in relation to the sun that has changed. And so here, the message of return to me and I'll return to you is really come outside of the house, come out into the sun's glow, and you will find yourself warmed. In fact, in the in the in the Greek Old Testament, so this is a what's called the Septuagint. Now, this is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that Jesus and the apostles were using. And it's it's very um very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It had a lot of influence in the in the ancient world. The translation for the word return uh, and I will return to you is 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 what's called a, a medio passive verb, which is just a complicated way of saying that it's translated like this: return to me and I will be returned to you. In other words, one follows the other. We come outside of the house, the sun warms us. Come outside of the shade and I will warm you, says the Lord. See, repentance is the sure guarantee of communion with God, just as coming outside on a hot day is a guarantee of being warmed. This is what Calvin says, we cannot enjoy the favour of God even when he kindly offers to be reconciled to us, except we from the heart repent. However graciously then God may invite us to himself and be ready to remit our sins, we yet cannot embrace his offered favour, except our sins become hateful to us. So the challenge really is to not become hardened to God. It's not to say it's cold in here, you know, so it must be cold out there too. You know, it's cold in the house, so it must be cold out where the sun is too. No, the challenge is to say it's cold in here because I've put myself in here. and I need to go and turn, look up at the sun and feel its warmth. I need to come outside and repent and turn to God and feel his love upon me. And so just some questions to kind of get us thinking as we start today, as we reflect on this passage. Verse four says, your ancestors did not listen or pay attention. So people often ignore the good news of Jesus Christ. And Christians uh, can often make the mistake of uh, missing it too. We say, well, I already believe that. 
And so we don't take the constant challenge that comes from the gospel. So the question is, how can we be making steps in our own life to be hearing and acting on the word of God, to not be like the ancestors in Zechariah 1 verse 4, but to hear the word of the Lord and act upon it? And secondly, is there anything in our lives that we know is keeping us in the cold house, keeping us away from the sun's warmth and keeping us from enjoying the sun's warmth? What can we be doing to step outside, to turn to the sun and be warmed by it, to to turn to God, to leave behind the things which are keeping us from his warmth. So what can we do about that? And finally, as I finish, I just want to say that the promise of the son's warmth is given to us as a guarantee. God says, return to me and I will return to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this guarantee that when we turn to you with repentant hearts, the God of all ages, the God who created the world will indeed turn kindly to us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be like those ancestors who heard the word of the Lord and did nothing, but Lord, that we would hear the word of the Lord and act upon it, we would chew it, that we would savour it, that we would make it the foundation of the rest of our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.